Hey everybody, this is AJ, the Media and Creative Director for Lifehouse Church. We are so glad you're checking out our most recent message, and we hope it encourages you, challenges you, and most of all, inspires you to go show the world they are loved and highly valued. Enjoy the message. Isaiah chapter 40, this is a very familiar passage of Scripture that I would venture to say that if you've been in church any length of time, you have read this or heard it quoted, probably heard it preached on. I, I, I doubt seriously today I will say anything original. Um, but today I hope that as we dive into His Word that you will be reminded of some wonderful truths. This is what the Word says in Isaiah 40, starting in verse 28. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and His understanding no one can fathom. Can I just tell you today, that I love the fact that I cannot figure out God. Because I don't, I don't even understand how an internal combustion engine works. I don't understand how basic algebra works. Can I get a witness? So if I could figure out Him, it sure wouldn't say many good things about Him. Verse 29, He gives strength to the weary. I don't want to call people out, but today, if you need some strength, would you lift up your hand? Come on. He gives strength to the weary. And He increases the power of the weak. Even youths will grow tired and weary. Or if you're a Joe Pesci fan, even youths will grow tired and weary. And young men will stumble and fall I'm about to get happy, y'all. But those who hope in the Lord. Some translations say, those who wait on the Lord. Come on, what do we do in the wait? Those who hope in the Lord, they will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. And guys, if you see me running, you better know it's God. Or a bear. They will walk and they will not faint. One more time, can we pray? And I want to ask you very humbly would you pray for me that the Holy Spirit would help me? Father, again, we thank you for your word that is alive and active, that ministers to each and every one of us today. And God, as I do my very best to remain faithful to your word and to extrapolate some of your truths. I pray that you would lead me, that you would guide me, and that you would use me to speak and to say only what you would have me to speak and to say. And that God, we would leave this place changed, not because of a sermon, but because of your word. And we pray it in Jesus' name. 
Lifehouse said, amen. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise today. So, I, um, I, I am reminded today that while chronologically I am 36, physically I appear to be in my mid-twenties. I know, I've, I've been told that all my life. But internally, I'm, I'm at... I'm much closer to Joe Maurizio's age. Sorry. He makes fun of me. I'm going to dish it right back at him. During I Thank God, a couple of different times, I had to stop and massage a cramp out of my right calf. And that is the gospel truth. I actually tore that muscle last year. Most of you would probably remember, or many of you would remember that. And um, I documented it on Facebook because I wanted people to know that I was hurting and I wanted sympathy. <laughs> and to be honest, I did not get nearly as much as I desired, but whatever. You can be that way if you want to be that way. Um, and then mentally, I'm probably still a teenager because... I'm just going to be honest with you. You can judge me if you want to, but I can make a dirty joke out of anything. I don't always do it out loud, but I am thinking it. And I know that judgment is ensuing right now upon me. And I am here today to confess my sins and seek for forgiveness. <laughs> However, before I became the, uh, uh, the pastor here at Lifehouse, I was actually in rather good physical shape. And I've had many Reese's peanut butter cups since then. Amen. That's good preaching, ain't it, Don? I feel the wave of glory coming through the building. Amen. Um, I was actually a group workout instructor. I was certified in everything. I could do... A few dozen pull-ups. I could do probably a few hundred push-ups without stopping. I was in pretty good shape. And then I became a lead pastor and life happened. <laughs> but I would lead uh, group workout classes. And um, I mean like, you know, got paid for it and everything. It was, it was, it was great. I got I got paid to go work out and to yell at people. It was pretty much a dream. And um, I noticed, I, I did it for about a year and a half, almost two years. I noticed that when I would lead workouts, um, you, you know, you have people of all different uh, physical capabilities in those classes, and, and normally what I would do, and I'm not going to demonstrate because I do have some pride and I'm just still hurting a little bit. So I, I would normally uh, just start with instruction, right? I, you know, I'd say, and, and this, my workouts usually went from cardio to upper body to lower body and then everybody's least favorite, core. And by the time we got to core, uh, everybody hated me. 
and um, they were tired of hearing my voice. They did not want to hear what was next. The workouts were typically about an hour long total. And uh, we always started uh, our core workout with everybody's least favorite uh, workout move, planks. Anybody, anybody familiar with planks? Now, I love planks. Even to this day, I'm really good at planks, mostly because my belly holds me up off the ground. Um, some people are laughing. Some people are like, can you, can you actually preach a real sermon today? And I saw Ellie over there looking at me. I'm scared. <laughs> and, um, and, and, and I got to noticing that you had people in the class who were very capable of doing a lot of the moves, but their inspiration towards the end of the workout would begin to wane. And then you had people who weren't very capable of doing the moves, but they would try really hard. And then, I mean, that's kind of how that was. The people who could didn't want to, and the people who wanted to couldn't. And, and, and so by the end of the workout, I would transition from being a, a, an instructor who, who, who talked to an instructor who, and I'm not going to demonstrate because I'm just, I'm already sweating and there's no need to make it worse, uh, who would actually get on the floor with them and, and get beside people who were really struggling and, and I would do the planks with them. And, and I, would, I would get down there and I would say, all right, listen. And I knew, so I, I, we worked out to music and I could count the beats and I would know how much time is left for each, for each move. I, could, I knew I could tell where we were in each progression of the workout by where, where the beats were and the progression of the music. And I would lie a whole lot. Just like today, I would lie a whole lot. I'm kidding about one of those two things. And I would get down there and I would get beside them and, and I would look at them and I would say, listen, we're almost there. You got this. And what would happen is you would have the person who... who did not have an ounce of energy as far as they knew left in them. But the moment I got down beside them and was doing the workout with them and I began to verbally encourage them or threaten them and tell them, listen, you got this. You can do this. I'm doing this with you. Listen, watch me. I can, if I can do it, you can do it. And all of a sudden, this person who didn't seem to have any strength left in their body would, would raise up and they would begin to hold that form. And before you knew it, the time would be up. Now, I would tell them, listen, it's almost done. We're almost there. Internally, I knew there's a minute and a half left of this. We ain't almost there. But you, I, you just listen to me. Don't think, about, don't think about the move. Don't think about the workout. Just listen to my voice. Just focus on me. And, and, they, would, they, would get, and they would get back in that position and they would do it. And, 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 and I have noticed something because I, I, when you worked out alone, and, and those of you who have done like DVD workouts or, you know, things like that, you know this. When you work out by yourself, you cheat a lot, right? Maybe it's just me. It's just me. It's just me. Do, yeah, the modification. Yeah, modify. We're going to modify. That's a heavy modification laying on the floor eating a donut. But anyway. And, um, but in those group workouts, because you saw other people doing it, you would, and, and then sometimes you would see somebody doing it, and you'd be like, I can't believe they can even do that. And, and I'm not, you know, calling names, Julie, but um, I'm just kidding. 
and, and it would inspire you and you would be able to do more than you thought you could do because of being around somebody else that was inspiring you and pushing you and encouraging you. So today I want to preach a message called Almost There. Now, which is a little bit of a lie because I don't know if we're almost there. But I know that if you're going through it, if you are enduring it, whether we're talking about everything in the world that we're going through as a, as a community, from hurricanes and earthquakes and floods to pandemics and so on, um, I don't know that we're almost there. I don't know if we're almost to the finish line. I, I'm not saying that, but I am saying that, and I have, I have wrestled with this thought, can I just, can I just be a... I have actually had conversations with God and a few people of frustration because I have spent my entire life, since I was 15 anyway, wanting to be a pastor. And last week we, thank God, were able to celebrate four years of, of, of pastor in Lifehouse. And But truth be told, I have wrestled with that because why in the world, God, did you let me be a pastor now? Like, because there's so many things happening that, that are so different in so many capacities from so many years ago. But I am, once again, coming to and continuing to come to the, revel, to the revelation and the understanding and this has become cliche, and I don't want to say anything cliche, but if God has brought you to it, He is faithful to bring you through it. And then, you, then, then on top of everything that we are all experiencing, many of you are going through your own seasons where you're looking for that finish line and wondering when will this, whatever this may be, when will this be over? So as we open up Isaiah chapter 40, we, we are kind of introduced into a similar season in the existence of Israel. Now, the Old Testament for many people is a lot of fun, but it's also for many people kind of confusing. I was, I was in Bible college before I understood that the Bible was not completely and totally in chronological order. I'm just being real with you. I literally was in my introduction to the New Testament class or New Testament survey when I realized that Saul of the Old Testament was not the same Saul of the New Testament. And if you did not know that, well, now you do, okay? I've, that is the, the God's honest truth. It took me a while to understand some things. And so here in Isaiah, we, it's about 700 B.C., 700 years before Christ is born. And, and we have gone through the days of Moses. We have gone through the days of Joshua, the days of Samson, the days of Samuel, Saul, David, Solomon, and all their descendants. And, and, and so now we are living in 700 B.C. in the time of Isaiah during the time, what is called the divided kingdom time, when Israel broke up into the north and to the south kingdoms, and they're no longer a united kingdom, they are a divided kingdom, and they are awaiting uh, the Messiah who will come back to the earth, who will come to the earth, 
They don't really understand exactly who he will be or how he will come, but they believe he will be a descendant of King David, that he will come and he will reestablish and he will unite the kingdom of Israel again, that he will be able to, to run out any oppressors who would have anything to do, uh, who would have any influence over the kingdom, unite the country again, and reestablish the glorious reign that was experienced in the days of David and Solomon. And Isaiah comes on the scene, and if you know anything about the book of Isaiah, you know it is a it is, it is considered uh, one of the major prophets of the Old Testament. And Isaiah is often, one of his nicknames that is often given in biblical studies is the Prince of Prophets. He prophesies more than anybody else throughout the Old Testament about the coming of the Messiah. Uh, you can go to Isaiah 53 and read a lot about who the Messiah will be. Now, uh, and I believe Isaiah was given inspiration under the Holy Spirit to write these things and to say these things. But I sincerely doubt he really understood himself what he was writing and what he was saying. But the message of Isaiah is a mixture of good news and bad news. He actually says the Messiah is coming. He is going to do all the things we want him to do. He is going to uh, reunite and reestablish the throne of David. But the, 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 the bad news is it's going to get worse before it gets better. So like you go to a workout class and you have these physical goals, right? You want to lose some weight. You want to gain some muscle. You want to be able to do some push-ups, so on and so forth. But how many of you have ever went to the gym or to a workout on a Monday and by Wednesday you could not go to the bathroom? Some of y'all don't know what I'm talking about and you need to go out and you need, you need to get active, all right? Some of y'all think, why is he talking about this stuff again? Um, here's the deal. Uh, you might have some physical goals. You might have some expectations. And you might start going and doing the work. But it's going to get worse before it gets better. And you've got to endure the pain if you want to get to the other side of it. <clears throat> Amen? And so Isaiah says this is going to get worse before it gets better. And he specifically points to something that we now know as the exile period of the people of Israel. And this is when Babylon comes in, and they actually take people from Israel back to Babylon. Now the book of Daniel is one of those books of the Bible that really helps us see into that period of time in the life of Israel. And so his, his message is one of good news and bad news, but it's also one of encouragement. And he really shares some of this encouragement straight from the heart of God in Isaiah chapter 40. He says, Do you not know? Have you not heard? I think for a lot of us, it, it might be better to say, Don't forget who you're talking about. Speaking of God. Don't forget who you're talking about. The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. And His understanding, no one can fathom. Don't forget who you're talking about. The God who parted the sea for Moses. That's the God 
we're talking about. The God who dropped the walls of Jericho for Joshua. That's who we are talking about. The God who strengthened Samson for battle even after Samson had made Mistake after mistake, even after Samson had failure after failure, it was still the God who strengthened him one last time. The God who spoke to Samuel when Samuel was just a boy, when he was just a kid. That's the God we're talking about. The God who does not discriminate for who He will speak to and who He will minister to, young or old, male or female, black or white or whatever. God is the God who will use and wants to use anybody and everybody. One day I'm going to preach a sermon about how God picked Saul out from among the baggage. Go read it in 1 Samuel. Saul was hiding in the baggage and God picked him out from among the baggage and I just have this picture of all the baggage in my life, but God, He still picks me. Even though I'm carrying all this junk with me, He still picks me and He still picks you. The God who defeated Goliath through a kid named David. The God who gave Solomon the wisdom of heaven. That's the God that we're talking about. The one who, if He has brought you to it, He is faithful to see you through it. He doesn't get tired. He doesn't get intimidated. He's never caught off guard. He's never surprised. He'll never be disappointed in you. You know why He will never be disappointed in you? He already knows your story. He knows your mistakes before you make them. And He has chosen to love you, to pick you, to call you, to anoint you, to forgive you, to redeem you, and to use you regardless. He's, he knows the beginning from the end. Verse 29 says, He gives strength to the weary. And He increases the power of the weak. The Apostle Paul, many years later, would say it like this in 2 Corinthians. He says, But God said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Paul, Paul says, Therefore I will boast. I don't use the word boast very often. I use the word brag. Paul says, I will brag all the more gladly about my weaknesses. When's the last time you got on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or, or whatever and you celebrated your weaknesses. You celebrated your shortcomings. You celebrated your mistakes and your problems. We don't, we don't typically do that, right? Paul says, I'm going to brag about my weaknesses. And this is why. So that the power of Christ may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight... I delight in weaknesses. 
I delight in insults. I delight in hardships. I delight in persecutions. I delight in difficulties. Is it just me? Or does Paul sound crazy? Like, he looks forward to these problems. He, he, he embraces this pain. He accepts it with gladness. And this is why he does it. He says, for when I am weak, when I am beat down, when I am tired, when I don't know what to do, when I don't understand why this is happening, it's in those moments, Paul says, that's when I am made strong. He says, when I'm weak, that's actually when I'm at my strongest. If you're taking notes, you might want to write this down. My inability, my exhaustion, and my lack are actually my superpower because they force me into a state of supernatural dependency. My, my, my inability to know how to raise my children in a time in history unlike anything we've ever seen before. My inexperience of pastoring a church, period, and then you add to it a time in history, again, unlike anything we've seen before. The lack that I find in my own intellect, in my bank account, in my body, in my understanding. They are actually the things that give me the power and the ability to, to make it through all of it. To parent in the best way possible. To lead in the best way possible. To live in the best way possible. Because they put me in a place where I realize I can't do this on my own. I can't make it on my own. I can't raise those kids on my own. I can't lead this church on my own. I can't do this thing called life on my own. It, it helped me to realize that even if everything was going good, it would just be a deception deceiving me into me thinking that I was doing all of the good things. That I was the one making it. That I was the one doing it. That I was the one leading. That I was the one raising but because it's not good and because I feel like, man, I don't know what to do, God. It's actually putting me into a place where God can show Himself strong. Not because I'm able, but because I realize so well how unable I am. And I am positioned into a place of absolute and total dependency where I say, God, if you don't do it, it ain't going to get done. That's, once again, that's bad grammar, but it is good preaching. <laughs> we talk about <clears throat> raising our hands. And you know, a lot of you, you don't come from churches and you don't have backgrounds where you lift hands and worship, and, and that's okay. I'm not, we're, not, we're not here to force our way upon you, but I like to do it because... For me, it is just this, maybe you've heard me say it before, an outward sign 
of inward surrender. And what do people often use as a phrase when, they, when they're at the end of their rope? They just say, oh, I'm just throwing my hands up. I'm just, I'm just done. I'm just, and I'm just here today to tell you, I'm just done. And, and, and that's a good thing. I hope you're done too. And, and, and if, if we were doing planks, the Holy Spirit would get down beside you. Come on, somebody. And He would look over at you. And He would tell you, come on, we're almost there. You got this. You got this. And you know why you got this? Because I got you. You may not be strong enough, but I am. I got this, and I got you. So stop thinking about the pain. Stop thinking about the problem. Stop watching the clock and start listening to his voice. Start tuning in to the voice of God, the voice of God that will tell you, I got you, I got you, and because I got you, we got this. I don't want to just pull out random Bible verses to, you know, that are sometimes used in cliches, but there was a woman in the Old Testament named Esther who was chosen, and I'm not going into her story, who was chosen to be the wife of one of the kings of Persia. And she goes to her uncle and she's really upset that she is in this place and she is living in this time in history when it's very difficult. This is during the time of the exile that Isaiah is actually prophesying about. And her uncle looks at her and he says, what if you were born? What if you were actually put here for such a time as this? And as I look at the world around me, raising my children, doing my very best, and sometimes I get so frustrated and I get so upset and honestly, I get sad that this is the world this is what's going on but then I am reminded what if God and I know that he did actually put us here put Lifehouse here put me here put you here put my kids here for such a time as this you are here today because God has faith in you we often talk about God having faith or us having faith in God which is good But you're here today because He has faith in you. He has called you. He has set you apart. He has placed you in one of the most tumultuous times of the history of the world because He believes in you. He has given you those babies to raise because He knows you can do it. He has given you that job to do because He trusts you. Everything that He's put in front of you, He's done so because He believes in you. But you can't can't do it in your own strength, though, right? It takes supernatural dependency on His strength. For when I am at my weakest, that's when he shows himself strongest. Verse 30 says, Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. In other words, I don't care how strong you are, how smart you are, how wise you are, how how educated you are, how charismatic you are. You will wear out. You will fall short you will eventually come to the end of your rope. Verse 31, But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Those who wait 
on the Lord will renew their strength. Those who trust in the Lord will exchange. That's that word renew is technically the word exchange. They will, we will take our weakness and we will exchange it for His strength. We will, we will go to the store and we will take the faulty product that we've got and we will exchange it for the better product. Amen? We will exchange it for His strength. He says they will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Don, you come up for me, friend. Verse 1 of Hebrews 11 says, Now faith is the confidence of what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Faith is the confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. It goes on and it actually says, it says to us that our faith is what honors God. Hebrews 11.6 says, And without faith, It is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. You guys listening? You guys okay? It's hot in here, y'all. I got too excited, dear, and I thank God, and it has carried over till now. When I seek the solution, and I'm a solution guy, aren't I, Kristen? I want want to know the quickest way from point A to point B. And however quick you say it is, I'm going to get there faster. Whether we're talking about following the GPS or following the instruction manual or just getting through whatever it is we're in the middle of. I'm a solution guy, but but in life, when I chase the solution, when I pursue the solution, when I seek the solution it just takes me to a place where I am weary and tired and worn out and I don't even get what I was going after but when I seek the Savior do we got any Savior seekers in the house today when I stop worrying about the clock when I stop worrying about I stop worrying about the politics. When I stop worrying about the money. When I start worrying about the tomorrow. And I focus my eyes on the Lord. From where does my help come from? It doesn't come from a stimulus. I'm not just trying to throw things out here, but I I know how it is. It doesn't come from another elected leader. It It doesn't come from this being over, whatever this may be. Because I'm here to tell you, once this is over, there will be something else. There will be something else. Now my help comes from the Lord the maker of heaven and earth. That's where I'm going to put my faith. That's where I'm going to put my trust. That's where I'm going to put my hope. And waiting on the Lord doesn't mean I sit still. 
It just means I go after Him and not after them. It just means I go after my Savior and not a solution. for the internet because I honestly thought it was kind of cheesy that there was a reference to eagles in Isaiah so I got to looking and it says we will soar on wings like eagles so I googled which is you know that's a verb you don't search you google I googled how do eagles fly? Which led me down a rabbit trail of learning about the law of gravity, which I felt like I was fairly familiar with. And the, then, then there's another Newton's law, the law of flight. And in order to fly, the law of flight has to supersede the law of gravity. which eventually led me to the place I was looking for, how do eagles fly? And just to simplify it, the primary way that eagles fly is not by flapping their wings, but it is by extending them. High in the air, where air currents will flow upwards. And so they don't, as they're flying, they, they don't flap, they, they, they just rest. They rest in what's been provided for them. And so today, you, you might be tired. You might be weary. You, you might be ready to give up, ready to give in. I know I felt that way. And the reason why you feel that way because you've been doing a lot of flapping when God has just called you to fly to just extend your arms and allow the presence of the Holy Spirit to hold you up you've been doing a lot of working God has called you to rest. So today, if you're ready to stop flapping and your prayer would be, Lord, help me just to rest. Help me to, to fly would be really cool if we meant literally, but I don't think that's what it means. 
your prayer today is, God, I'm so tired of being tired. I'm so tired of being discouraged. I'm so tired of being afraid. I'm so tired of being worried. I'm so tired of being anxious. I'm so tired of questioning what the future is going to hold. God, today I just want to rest. I want to rest in what you've provided. I want to rest in what you've given. I want to rest in you. Just lift your hand. I'll I'll tell you what. Just go ahead and stand. Just go ahead and stand. Lift your hands and you tell him with your own words, Lord, I'm tired of striving. I'm tired of stressing. God, I'm ready to rest. I'm ready to exchange my weakness for your strength. I'm ready to wait on you, to trust in you to hope in you. Come on, you, just you tell him with your own words, in your own way, with your own vocabulary. Talk to your heavenly Father. Exchange your weariness for his strength. Exchange your weakness for his power. And he says, we will be able to run our race without getting tired. And we will be able to keep on walking without giving up. And as you have this posture of worship this morning, I want to ask the team to lead us for a few moments and that you would let the Holy Spirit solidify His work in your life as you exchange your lack for His abundance.